0: We've been been looking at chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, and we'll look at it in a few moments, Um, but but the question for today's Fruit of the Spirit is um, a question that I put in my journal as I started this week's preparation, and and the question is, what's the difference between self-control and living by our own effort? So let me just get right into it with you. We've been going through all of these pieces of fruit. We've talked about love and joy and peace and, and patience. And, and at the end of Paul's list here, he lists Self-control as fruit of the Spirit. And right away, for some of you, this is the question. If we are supposed to live by God's grace, if we're supposed to live by the gospel, and those are very much the themes of the book of Galatians, right? What is the difference between self-control, which is evidence of the Spirit, and living by our own efforts? What's the difference between going at the spiritual life in my own strength and this act, this attribute that the apostle includes in this list of spiritual fruit? We could get this whole message wrong, right? We could mistake self-control for something else. And, and some of you are sensitive to that because the language of self-control can be language that is against what Paul has been talking about in this this list so far Is Paul saying that we, after living uh, into love and into faithfulness and into goodness, are we supposed to do this in our own strength? He spends a lot of time in this letter pushing his readers not to place their trust in their efforts, in their laws, and in the things they did to receive grace, right? So so what's the difference between doing that and doing self-control? Now, to get into this a little bit, I want to give you some very quick uh, sort of points, some bullet points, uh, and to tell you what self-control is not. I'll, I'll later on give you an alternative list uh, to this, um, and I'm not going to give a full explanation of these four here either. I just want to list them uh, and say what Self-control is not. And, and uh, thank you, Val. So the first thing, self-control is not denying the body. Say that. Say, self-control is not denying the body. Now, if you've read Galatians or if you've read Paul's other letters, you right away start guessing that I'm a little off, right? Because Paul has a lot to say about the flesh. Paul has a lot to say about the body. In Galatians 5, he's talking about the desires of the flesh or the works of the flesh. And and what you need to understand is in the totality of Scripture, when the Bible talks about the body that God has created, it speaks in good terms because God created the body. There is a goodness that we often overlook when we think about Paul for example when we come into the New Testament especially with Paul he's not denying the body he's using the word body to imply the flesh which is his way of talking about again uh, his, his way of speaking about what is against the spirit Right, and so you have the fruit of the spirit in this chapter of Galatians 5 and you have the opposing competing work of the flesh that's not work of the body Self-control is not denying the body. Number two, uh, self-control is not avoiding your feelings. You've heard it like I have, that feelings are bad, that feelings should be run from, that we should not um, um, deal with our feelings, pay attention to our feelings, and that's not necessarily the case. When When the Bible speaks about feelings, and when we get to the alternative slide, you'll see this, the Bible says things like express your feelings. The Bible says that we should tell God of the desires of our hearts. Now, you won't find, if you look in Scripture, most translations, the word feelings, but if you think about thoughts or intents or desires, That's how Scripture talks about feelings, and far from is it avoiding them. Number three, self-control is not rejecting your mind, rejecting your intellect, rejecting your thoughts, rejecting what's happening in your brain. The the Scriptures are not endorsing us to get rid of these things. They're having us do something else. Number four, self-control is not resigning to God's will. It's not caving in to God's will in a, in a passive way. It's not saying, well, you're more powerful than me, so what else is there for me? I must control myself and conform myself to this will that is greater than mine. What is there else for me to do? That's something else. That's not self-control. Now, before we get to the alternative list, I want to read our passage of Scripture, our guiding passage for these weeks from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 uh, through 26. And I want to read it from Eugene Peterson's message translation. And I'm reading it from this different translation. And I want to remember to say this to some of you, that, that you will read of these different fruit pieces and depending on the translation of scripture that you pick up, uh, the word love might not be there. The word compassion may be there. Uh, I used the word patience a few weeks ago and I mentioned that some scriptural translations use the word forbearance. And uh, last week it was gentleness, right? And in giving some explanation, used words like meekness and humility, I don't want you to get confused by that. Uh, these are what we call synonyms, and the different translations will use different words to mean the same thing. Whatever your translation, those writers, editors, scholars are looking at the original text and trying to give you the, either the word that connects with the language of the text or with the meaning of the text. And so um, you can see gentleness in some of your Bibles. You will see meekness in other of your Bibles. So don't get um, caught up by that, especially when we hear Peterson's uh, translation, because the message is a broader translation. It's actually longer if we were to read it from some of the other texts. And so uh, I'm going to take a deep breath and uh, I might even have you read with me since y'all haven't talked for a while. um, And I'll tell you when to do that. It's going to be up here. So I'll start, and when I say read with me, you do it. And if I stop, I've got more to say, so you keep going, okay? Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit? And so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness trinket God's magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, and impotence, an impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Your turn. Read. Here are a few thoughts to hang on to uh, this morning as we get into the fruit of the spirit called self-control and as we make room for it in our church's life, in your life, in our church's life. Now, the first three acts that you'll see here are um, related to being changed. There, There is a sense <clears throat> that you have been changed, a sense that, that you will be changed, and a sense that you right now are being changed. And these um, three points that are alternatives to those earlier ones uh, are really related to that. The first one is self-control is directing your body. You are a body, and you will read, if you read these kinds of things, and they will say, Bible studies, uh, pastors or theologians or scholars will say uh, that we are embodied, or that we have souls that live in bodies or that we are bodies with souls. And you can choose whichever one of those. Some say we're both material and immaterial people, immaterial and material beings. Uh, you can sort of slice it how you like. The point uh, is that, that bodies are involved, that if you do not have a body, there is nothing to you in a sense. And the point of living in your body, through your body, what have you, is not to diminish your body, but to be in it for God's glory. Your body is not something to be shunned, but a gift to be appreciated. So taking care of your body is important. Uh, And when it comes to the fruit or the evidence or the production of the Spirit in our lives, your body is involved. And Paul is talking about our directing our bodies, having them do certain things and not other things. You'll read Paul in different um, um, uh, epistles tell you what to go away from, for example, what to put off. And, and that is a way of directing your body. Number two, um, I said that self-control is not uh, avoiding your feelings. Number two, is self-control is feeling more. My spiritual director said to me three or four years ago, uh, and we were talking about something else uh, in a more narrow way, um, but, but she said that the goal of the Christian life, the goal of your life is not to feel less, but to feel more. The problem with our feelings, and I've probably said this to some of you in other settings, the problem with our feelings is not that we have them. The problem is that either we don't have enough feelings, either we ignore our feelings, or we live from them in a particular way that is dishonoring to God. There is something in your feelings for you, and as a good Christian, you don't avoid them, you feel them. It may be the most God-honoring thing for you to do this week to sit with your feelings rather than avoid them, ignore them, act as if they're not there. Self-control is feeling more and doing something That creates the fruit of God in our lives. Number three, uh, self-control is reordering your mind. The Bible talks about uh, renovating the mind there, there are passages here by the way, um, that will capture some of these points, lead you into other directions. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, reordering your mind or renovating your mind or disciplining your mind. You see proverbs twenty nine and eleven there having to do with an ordered city, an unwalled city, and a person who 's able actually that one has to do with the wisdom of keeping uh, your mouth shut, the wisdom of thinking the mental uh, uh, Strength of thinking and not necessarily saying it, reordering your mind. And so uh, these other passages here, First Peter has to do with uh, preparing yourself, uh, preparing your mind for action. There's this sense of reordering your mind, renovating your mind, not getting rid of your mind. And in the Galatians text that we've been using, self-control has to do with our mind's ability to to increase our capacity to resist sin. We We have to reorder ourselves. We have to reorder our relationships so that we are increasingly able to resist the works of the flesh, the works of the enemy that are against the Spirit of God, reordering our mind so that we're able to resist sin. And fourthly, um, and I'll break this one out uh, mostly, uh, self-control is accepting and surrendering to God. Self-control is accepting and surrendering to God. Rather than being passive in the presence of a God who is almighty and to sort of say, well, God always gets what he wants. Self-control is actively accepting what God wants and surrendering. I want to use the language this morning of grace driven mastery and i'll do this for the next 10 minutes or so and i'll be done these sermons by the way have tried to be short i tell you each week i've, I've tried i I've planned to be short um and it's gotten that way about half the time but as, as we as we end i want you to be thinking about responding to this because i'm going to ask you to respond to these uh, fruit pieces as well say the word grace driven I said this in the first sermon of this series, that the fruit of the Spirit is of the Spirit. The first person involved in grace-driven mastery and what we will hear about in Paul as self-control is not you. It's the Holy Spirit. We're ultimately getting to mastery, but if mastery, if, if the increased capacity to resist sin, if the ability to say yes to the things that God wants and no to the things that God doesn't want, if those things don't start with the Spirit, they don't stay very long. Self-control begins with God. Say that. Say, it begins with God. You can say that in a breath. You can say that in a prayer. It it reminds us um, that that, that Galatians 5, 16 through 26 doesn't happen because we want it to happen. It doesn't happen because we're convinced by the idea of being godly. We're convinced by the notion of being godly. If God does not save us, if God in the, the, the language of that song does not find us, we will not be saved we will not be found. If God does not deliver us, we will be bound. We will not be free. We will not be able to live the way Paul talks about in Galatians. We will live by the old laws, right? We will not be able to accept the new customs that come with new life in Christ. That is not something that you get convinced of. That is something you get convicted. by. You don't accept it as a good idea. You're moved by it because the Spirit says, I'm making something in you that you can't make. This grace driven mastery results from the creative work of God and that means that from our side of things it may look very slow this transformation this living like you love this faithfulness this goodness this this patience may not come as quickly as we would like it to come because it's not something that we're engineering or manufacturing on our own Now, I'm going to say two things, uh, the first of which may sound uh, problematic to some of you. Um, And the the first thing is that grace-driven mastery might start with some of us doing nothing at all. Grace-driven mastery may start with some of us doing less. I'm going to get to the second piece, which has to do with a couple of things for us to do. But the most important, uncompelling thing that I am going to say this morning to you may be this. Your life with God is about you doing less than what God does. Your walk with God, your walking in line with the Spirit, your walking and living by the Spirit has more to do with what God does than what you do. In the biblical tradition, the way we've embodied doing less is by keeping Sabbath. Say the word Sabbath. Sabbath is a one-day celebration of God's work in the world and our proper place in God's world. Most of you, I bet, uh, don't keep Sabbath. Sabbath is a ritual about time. I want you to hold together self control as the creation of God and Sabbath. Because all week long, uh, so says the scriptures, we live, we work, And in the scriptures, we hear that we are told to honor the Sabbath. That one day celebration of God's work in the world and our proper place in God's world. Sabbath is both about denial and affirmation. It is a day-long holy day where we stop working and start reflecting on the work that God continues to do. The creative God works and because of the creator's work all that we see keeps going. But the creator brings us in, right, on the work of God. The creator brings us in with all of our gifts and all of our competencies and all of our skills. And we get to do, because God gifts us things, work in the world. And and what happens when God allows you and I to work along with God is we get convinced by ourselves. We can get convinced by our skills. We get convinced ultimately by our sins. And sin convicts us that we are the creators of the world and not God. It's a reminder to you this morning that Sabbath is the spiritual discipline of saying to sin, you're wrong about me and about God. Sabbath is the weekly routine that most of us have problems with because we interpret the scripture in the Old Testament as having very, very little to do with us these days. Sabbath is the discipline where we say, This time is God's, this world is God's, so if I separate myself from the work of the world, The one who is really God keeps things going. So for some of you, the takeaway is to keep Sabbath. And I'm looking at one of you who I know has a recent job change and your job is overwhelming, right? And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about you as I write this message because, you know, well, how do you get it done? How do you take 24 hours? How do you even take eight hours in your day and say, my work is less important than God's work? Sabbath is completely impractical and it always has been. And what it does is it makes us reorder time. I was talking to Steve, listening to Steve yesterday, and I thought about this point too, where Sabbath is for the Christian. It is, it is an alternative reality we live in because we live to look forward to the Sabbath because we look forward to the time where we get to say, God's more important than me. God's work is greater than mine. I can stop. I can stop. Paul calls that self-control. Paul says that's the evidence of God's work in your life. So what that means is there's a competition in your spirit to um, make you think more of yourself, make you think less of God. And one of the ways for you this morning to arrest that opposing work of the flesh is to stop. Number two. I was looking through one of my books yesterday and I saw this note that I had written that children of grace are children under obligation. Um, Children of grace are children under a kind of yoke. And and you've got to hold this with Paul as he talks about freedom. Uh, Jesus Christ freely gives to us and we freely choose, we freely receive, but we walk in line either with the Spirit Or with the flesh. And I want to talk to you about choosing uh, in this last point. Um, I want you to talk, I I want you to listen to to this point, not about doing less. So it's a shift, a complete shift from this first point uh, to talk to some of you about working a plan. We always choose. Uh, This life um, that Paul is talking about is a life of choices. We choose in one form to make ourselves open to God's work. I told you we can't produce these fruit, but we can pursue these fruit, right? So we choose to pursue them or not. And, 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 And we are obliged by God's gift of grace or by what competes with that grace, the works of the flesh. And so my question for some of you is, is what do you need to refrain from doing? What action do you need to stop doing? Or what action do you need to begin doing in order to see the fruit of self-control in your life? This is the core of the fruit of the Spirit here. The Benedictine tradition uh, gives us a gift uh, from many, many centuries ago. The Benedictine monks created what's called a rule of life a rule of life. And the rule of life is a document that sums up, uh, and this is a simple summary. Uh, They can be really short. They can be longer. But the rule of life is a sort of two-question paragraph that answers the question, what do I sense God calling me to stretch in? And what do I sense God calling me to, uh, uh, to, 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 to give up? What do I sense God calling me to stretch in? And what do I sense God calling me to give up? And usually rules of life are written for a period of time. And so you'd say over the next six months or uh, over the next nine months. A lot of y'all are starting to have babies in here. uh, So you have a rule of life, right? And what is God calling me to stretch in over the next nine months? What is God calling me to refrain from? Some of you have gotten a new job lately. Uh, As I start this new job, what do I sense God calling me to stretch in, to pay attention to? What do I sense God god calling me to close off turn myself away from so the rule of life sort of grabs the answers to those questions they sum up what we feel god calling us to pay attention to and to go away from this metaphor um, a fruit of the spirit has to do with these seeds being created in us by the Spirit of God. And, and, and we cannot uh, be seeds and think we will grow out of God's pot, if I can put it that way, right? And this rule of life that comes out of our Christian relatives from centuries ago uh, reminds us of the action it takes the, to, 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 to move in the direction of the Spirit. If you're a seed, water does you no good if you aren't in dirt. If you're a seed, sunshine will only burn you if you aren't covered, right? So the question is, what are the conditions our souls have to be in? What What are the places, what are the things we need to be doing so that our souls are covered and the Spirit of God is at work nurturing us, growing us? And that's the context for grace-driven mastery. So as I close this morning, here are three questions I want you to sit with today. Number one, who helps increase my capacity to resist sin? Who in my life helps increase my capacity to resist sin? Number two, what can I commit to do in order to increase my fruitfulness? Come on up, girl. Number three, where is the spirit stretching me to grow now? Where is the spirit stretching me? Where is the spirit growing me now? Now, this, this has to do with a kind of action plan. And I, I know that there can be problems with sort of giving you suggestions that we can sort of, act and i've tried to go every week around this circle of your actions have to be contextualized by god's actions i hope you hear that um and if you're coming for the first time maybe you think i'm sort of jumping across a lot of things i'm pulling from paul here and i'm pulling from these weeks Uh, you have to do something you have to put yourself um, where god has you where god wants you rather to be You're great and mighty God, you alone. You alone. Just you. And Lord, I pray uh, that you would make us and create us to be fruitful children of God. Be in all of our days this week so that we won't miss you. Be in our ears so that we will hear your voice. Be in our hearts so that we will be convicted of sin and free in the gracious country of God. We ask these things, Jesus' name.